This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. They expect me to walk away from Luton with nothing. I'll make very sure there's nothing to walk away from. Hello and welcome to the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I'm Billy Mully, joined today by just Jamie Castle, Kieran Robertson, who's normally on these on these calls. He is out doing a bit of content for Oak Road Hatter in, in Holland. Um, he's had a great time, so I'm sure he'll be back very soon. But for now, it's just suffering with, with us too. We're going to be reviewing the events of Friday night. It turned out to be a rather eventful 90 minutes of football and there was a particular incident. I don't know if you can cast your mind back, Jamie, to to what it was that's grabbed the attention of the masses. So we'll be discussing that. We'll be discussing all things Burnley versus Luton. Also addressing latest rumours in the January transfer window. And we'll end up with a Bolton review as we head back to um, Bolton for what is the FA Cup third round replay. Uh, winner, as we brought to you last time on the pod, is a tie against either Crystal Palace or Everton at Crystal Palace or Everton. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, it's nice to have a a free weekend. It was a, an efficient trip up to Burnley and back, thanks to the Bobbers on the way back. Um, but no, I mean that that incident at Burnley. I I I, I think I know what you went about, and I'm pretty sure James Trafford will thank us for being safe and make Kieran Roberts an X-rated rant. If because if he was here, no doubt Kieran would have uh, 
gone on one, let's say, in in, in his usual fashion. Um, so now he's 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 got me, who probably is the more balanced and constructive view, um, which is why me and Kieran went so well. Um, but no, good. Looking forward to chatting Burnley. Massive point. Um, and yeah, got what f- f- from today, sixteen days until the Brighton game. Um, so yeah, a long time to go. As we meant, both mentioned there, eventful night in Burnley. Um, we'll, we'll start at the very start of that, and that was the lineup. There were question marks as to sort of the wing back situation now that Issa Kabore has gone to Afcon. Um, it eventually led to Chio uh, right wing back, Doughty left wing back, um, Clark came in as well at a sort of left wing position because of Jacob's, uh, Jacob Brown's absence. What did you make of that? Was that what you expected? Were there any, I don't want to say surprise omissions, because I guess looking at that, that is one of one of um, probably only a few ways to have gone. Uh, but did you expect Clark on the wing? I think that's the one that, that threw me. Yeah, that that was the, the surprise selection, um, especially on the left, given that we know he's right-footed. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, when you look for it, Brown was obviously suspended. Chiara was being used at, at right wing back. So it really was only Clark or Chong that could have played in that that wide role from the start, unless they shifted D-Lie over and put Morris in the middle. Um, so w- in hindsight, when you look at it, there probably wasn't too many options. Um, but having said that, I thought Clark showed his quality in spells. Um, and yeah, of course, there's going to be some rustiness. His first start since that day in May. Um so yeah, that's that's six six seven months out. So understandable in terms of some of the rustiness that he showed, but in glimpses showed his quality and and I think he showed why last year he was our most technical player. Obviously now, thanks to Ross Barkley, he's not. Um, but I, I, I mean, he's certainly not far behind Ross, and he, he's probably in in that top three or four in terms of technical ability in the team. And he he showed that in glimpses against Burnley. So exciting to have him back and looking forward to seeing what you can do after a run of games. Um, and then likewise, Chia at wing back, you've you really only got one of two, one or two ways to go. You either put Doughty on the right and then you go with Bell or Giles on the left or you put Ogbeni on the right as as uh, Rob did. Um, so yeah, I think when it came out, there was a few raised eyebrows, um, but in hindsight and sort of when you look a bit, a bit deeper, um, I think it was a fair selection. And when you look at the first 30 minutes, Jamie, you were there, you got to see it firsthand. It was an excellent, excellent start. I think we looked to cut above. They really, really struggled to to get out. We, we sort of penned them in. And you, you sort of, when you think of Burnley and you you think how they won the league last season, you, you sort of look at how they've been assessed so far this season where I think the narrative is that they play very good football but but get themselves into trouble and that kind of that thing um for us to dominate totally in that first 30 minutes yeah. it's just similar to I guess Sheffield United where we're playing a team in and around us and we we start very very brightly that that can only be seen as a positive we won't speak about the rest of the 60 minutes till yeah. sort of later on but but that's the first 30 minutes in isolation that is how you want to start a football match yeah we were awesome um i think i mean i wasn't at Bramall lane but that first half that first half hour was a carbon copy of chef night on boxing day from what i was watching at home and prime um we were 
I said after the Sheffield United game, that first half hour was Premier League away at Championship and the Cup. And that is exactly what that was in the first half an hour. Um, and then again, company had to make a few tweaks. Um, I think they they started to go a bit more direct just to sort of just to, to, try, to try and play through the lines a bit more. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think last year they were a cut above us, understandably, by the way, because of the money that they had spent. They had they had the parachute payments and the players they'd signed, so they were a cut above a cut above us, um, and deserved to win the league. They they were by far the best championship team, certainly last year, um, and possibly in the last 10, 15 years. Um, and this going into the season, the narrative was from myself and most people that they they were a better footballing side than us, but we. We can close the gap through tactics or just 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 the way we do things um, on and off the pitch. Um, but that's not the case anymore. They're, they're, they're not a better footballing side than us. They've spent hundred million pound plus. Um, we've spent twenty five million pound tops, um, and we've closed the gap. We in that first half hour, we showed that we were a better footballing side than than them. Um, I'm not going to say that we are generally better than them because it, it just it's based on two games against each other, um, and it's it's a, it's a small sample size. But we, we've certainly closed the gap, and we are as good as them in all areas of the pitch. And in some areas of the pitch, we are better than them tactically. Rob Edwards had us again spot on, um, and obviously we'll, we'll we'll go on to the way the game finished. But it would have been criminal based on that first half hour if if we walked away having lost that game. Because um, that that first half hour probably should have been two or three one because they had that chance at at their end. I think it was been last in four and goal, um, but we should have scored two or three. Um, so yeah, again, all re- really positives uh, going into into the Brighton game at home and and games beyond that. You think going to go away to your Newcastle's and and Liverpool away to come and United at home. And if if we play that way, we will, we will cause those teams problems, let alone Burnley. Um, and yeah, we. You, I tweeted again. You judge you judge your staff on on progress, and you cannot have any doubt that there's there is progress in that team. I think Matt Aquino put a, a tweet out as well with, with a graphic showing Barkley's performance and the team's performance sort of game on game, and it's just like an upward um, sort of bar chart sort of thing, um, and it's just showing sort of passes and pass completions. So it just shows progress and the way that not only are we getting better, but we're transitioning in terms of the style of play as well. Uh, so you, you can't you, you can't be anything but buzzing with that first half an hour. And that style of play element is is really interesting because I think it's one of only a few hand. Well, you can you, you can count them on one hand where we've had more possession than the opposite team. Um, you don't expect to do it against Burnley, as we've already mentioned. No. They're they're a very much ball orientated team, whereas where we've come through the Championship and, and against some of the big clubs in the Premier League, um, is is how we keep our shape. It's how we work off the ball that that's sort of led to success. So to dominate on the ball only only adds a, a sort of new string to our bow. You think of Barkley and Lukonga together. You, you don't see too many midfields that they don't dominate. Um, I know we've only seen we've only seen sort of glimpses of it. I think maybe just four games, but every time, every time those two have been deployed next to one another, um, if you, you could argue against Chelsea, Newcastle certainly were Sheffield United. Those two win the battle against their their 
you know, if it's a midfield trio or duo, they, they win it every time. And it's allowing us to play a different kind of way. And I go back to what Edward said at the start of the season, where he wanted us to become multidimensional. He wants us to play um, and sort of get over different kind of hurdles. And I think having Lukonga and Barkley players that can progress up the pitch, they can, you know, Barkley can can find that ball to Chio every time and as evidenced against Burnley. But there's just so many ways we can form an attack now, which wasn't always there. And, and that makes us such a difficult outfit to defend against. Um, so, yeah, those two have been, been phenomenal. I think Barkley's getting more of the credit at the moment, but, but Lukonga as well has been absolutely fantastic and you, you sort of think of how disappointed we were when we heard the news of, of Marvellous Nakamba being out for a while but I think the Congress performances have, have sort of lessened that that issue at the moment um, of course a lot of football still to play um, a lot still to do we'll go on to the Burnley goal Jamie um, as we've mentioned the first half an hour we, we felt like we dominated um, Odebert on the left wing for Burnley. Had a couple of sightings where you thought, OK, he's looking a little bit livelier. And um, obviously he was, he was mightily influential in the goal. Got beyond Tiedem Mengi and then played the ball into the box and, and sort of a scruffy kind of goal in, in terms of how the ball eventually went in. But... Just on that goal, do you attach any blame to, to any of the players there? Do you think there's, you know, as a unit, should we be doing better there? Because um, it almost felt that that half an hour of pure dominance, some of the best football I've seen us play, sort of went to waste. Of course, you can you can delve deep into that into that goal and analyse and and sort of point fingers at various players but I think you do have to you have to give Bernie some credit um the way they got to that got to that bar and just sort of cut it across to, to Amdini. Um a, a bit in jest but we're gonna go on to the the the, the equalising goal and I think I don't know who it was because it completely wiped out Kaminsky in terms of he had no, no chance in, in in saving Amduni's shot because he was he was, he was wiped out. Um, but no, I mean, I think for me def- defensively, the, the the issue was was letting Amduni have that much space. I think okay, so someone can get beaten. Um, it happens in football. You're not going to win every one on one. Certainly at our level in in this league. Um, but then you just can't allow for someone of that quality to have that much space in the box. Uh, so. You've got to have if you're Osho or if you're Osho more centrally or Bell on the left, you just need to make sure you you, you pick up your markers because if you because if they're there and and can even block the shot rather than just let, let them have a fairly free shot on goal and that 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 has a better chance of stopping it. Um, so in, in the grand scheme of the game, it was really frustrating because we just didn't deserve it and you fear the worst, right? Everyone's saying about how much the better team we are. How the hell aren't we ahead? And then we again find ourselves one goal behind. Um, but it's the league we're in. Um, Burnley were that much better than us last year. And if if we'd have conceded that goal last year in the championship, you'd have sort of probably held your hands up and say good goal. Um, so yeah, they're the sort of goals you're gonna, that you're going to concede. And I'd rather, I guess, concede a goal like that than the goals that we did against Chelsea. The way Caboy gets passed to Palmer, etc. And 
and the Ray Palmer got, got through for their third. So, yeah, the, the, they're the goals that I'd probably put my hands up for and be like, yeah, fine, fair play. I think it's fair to say the second half overall, when you consider how both teams played, it lacked quality. Um, I think we struggled more offensively. You know, Barkley and the Conga were still threatening. The combination between them two, two was good. Um it's the combination sort of in and around the box and the final ball that, that, you know, it didn't, in my eyes, I didn't, I didn't think that we could find an equaliser. I thought it was going to mm-hmm. take a, a mistake or um, something like what eventually happened to, to help us get back into the game. And funnily enough, it, it was Alfie Doughty who struggled more than I've seen him struggle this season, who, who provided the assist. And it see Alfie Doughty has been talked in a positive light this season, but it seemed after that assist on Friday night, he it sort of heightened. I hadn't seen so much sort of clamour and and love for Alfie Doughty from you know fans of the Premier League after he, he scored that goal. I think it's t- taken him to six assists, and and that's put him on on, on par with with some you know very very good creative players. Um, but it's just interesting that you know it, it was what I'd call his worst game of the season so far. And it's the one where he's probably grabbed the most attention. But in the same breath, you've got to put the ball in the box. He he is brave. He takes risks. And, and eventually, um, that, that's what, what I say won us the game. That's what helped us get back into the game and, and take that point. We'll move on to the goal because I know um, it's going to be controversial. We'll get comments on this probably on, on both sides of the camp. Um, obviously, you were there. Um, you've had a chance to review it. What, what were your thoughts initially, and, and how did that change when you had a chance to to watch it back and a bit more time to sort of see the the discourse and, and all the conversations that have followed? Yeah, I mean, first of all, being there, I had no idea because it's at the other end of of, of the ground, and all you see is traffic go down on the floor, having having sort of been in, in some sort of collision with, with, with Eli and then Morris thankfully nods it in and yeah, there, there, there was elements of, of cheering from the away end, but nothing that that was really overexcited because I think, I think half of us knew that, that there was going to be some sort of VAR um, look at it and then when it, when it comes, you're just wishing and you're, you're praying that it doesn't get ruled out and you, you're actually probably think it's going to get ruled out which is which would have been a shame um so that that was the the guess the, the overall feeling in the ground and then when it got given then the the the, the release of just relief and ecstasy for getting the the, the, uh, the equalizer was, was brilliant um i think secondly on on company's post-match i think i'll start there before going into my thoughts on it i think i i think he was fair in what in what he said i think on in several interviews he was very good in terms of the way he spoke about Luton and not taking away from performance and how good we were so I think kudos to, to, to company um, and yeah there's always going to be subjectivity to an instance like that and he obviously has his Burnley goggles on like we're going to have our like, like we're going to have our, our Luton ones on when we say what we say um, so nothing against company whatsoever in terms of what he said I thought he was fair in terms of the incident, right? So, I think first of all, like people saying Elijah looked at him and 
deliberately went into him. That's that's a lie. He didn't. Like, there's a video on Twitter that, that I put out. People say, yeah, he looked at him. And he didn't. He did not look at him. He, 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 he back, back of his head is at James Trafford. Okay, you might, based on the amount of times he was coming up to claim the ball, he might have knew he may have been there because of the, because he was very good, Trafford, to be fair, in terms of coming out and, 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 and claiming balls. But he did not deliberately foul him. So that, that that's the first thing. Was there excessive use of force? No. He stepped back twice. And we know Elijah, watching him week in, week out, the amount of times he's sort of having a bit of a sort of a, a push and pull with, with a defender. He pulls away from the defender and he sort of tries and either to get out of the way of of another of another attacker like Morris was there. So he was probably trying to get out of the way of Morris, knowing that Morris had, had a better chance of winning the header because Eli was sort of back to the ball rather than, rather than head on. So he's probably trying to dip out of the way of the ball. So he's just backed away. And okay, he stepped two steps back and he has collided with James Trafford. There's no doubt about that collision. But there's no excessive use of force in terms of try, deliberately trying to knock over James Trafford. So it wasn't deliberate and there's no, there's no excessive use of force. So that, that, that for me, are two factors into, into whether something is a foul. And for me, not, the, the answer to both of those is no. Then on Trafford's, on, on Trafford's side of it, he was coming out and claiming loads of balls and fair play to him. It's brave goalkeeping. But that one, he was absolutely nowhere near. Nowhere near it. He was three, four yards from it still. There was four players between him and the ball because you had Eli who stepped back into it. Two bonus centre-halves who ducked out the way of the header and then Morris who, who then won the header. He was nowhere near the ball. The minute Elijah Adebayo touched James Trafford in the box, he knew that he was nowhere near the ball and he thought, shit, I better try and win something here because I'm not going to get near that ball. And if I don't go down, I'm still not getting anywhere near the ball. Morris has a free header. For me, those three things means it's not a clear and obvious error to overturn that, that on-field decision. I think if the referee had given it on pitch, I would have no complaints because you'd see it in real time. Keeper has gone, has gone down and more times than, than not, that's given because the goalkeeper, I mean, that's another conversation. Goalkeepers are given way too much protection. There was one in the first half down by us where Trafford went down under no sort of pressure whatsoever. But those three things that I've just spoke to in terms of deliberate, excessive force, and then Trafford being nowhere near the ball, that's not a foul. For me, it's not a foul. Obviously, Luton Goggles, Burnley fans can comment what they like on the pod and you, you're, you have every right to your opinion. But it's not a foul. And and you cannot overturn the on the on field decision. As I said, if if the ref gave it on field, I, I don't think VR can overturn that in our favour. The ref didn't give it on field. The line the line himself didn't wave his flag. VAR, due to those three factors I, I spoke through, cannot overturn that. Um, so people can say, "Oh, where's the where, where's the game gone?" I think to be fair, that shouldn't that that shouldn't be a foul. So if you're talking based on the rule book. Change the rule book. If, if if you think the rule book makes that makes that a foul, that shouldn't be a foul. The keeper should not be able to have the advantage of using their two arms as well to get a ball and expect to go down under that sort of pressure and and and, and win a free kick in their favour. It's just that that should that should be the case. Um, so for me, I thought fair goal one one, and we deserved the point. We we did not deserve to lose. Um, so to be honest, even if 
the the consensus from the footballing population is that is that it is a foul. Don't care because we because we deserve the point, and football justice um, was in our favour. So massive point for Luton. Yeah, I'm. It is such a complex issue. Um, I think you've summed it up very well. Uh, probably speaking, what four or five minutes on it. That's how complex this this issue is. Because in my eyes, I couldn't work out if uh, it goes back to your very first point. Did Elijah have a look? Um, I I thought initially he had a look before, you know, whilst Trafford was still on his line and he was sort of made a, a go to go with the ball. This was, this, you know, probably four or five, maybe even six seconds before it happened. Um, so is that long enough? Um, that's one issue in itself. Um I also completely agree the narrative on on goalkeepers being overprotected. They are, they massively are. Um, so in my eyes, it comes down to did Elijah have that look and was that look sort of sufficient enough? Was it within the time frame? Um, and that's what I can't make my mind up on. Um, I, what I think when I come to, to this is my initial reaction to the goal going in. Um, and I didn't, move a muscle or celebrate mm. anything because mm. I did I generally thought that was a, a foul because in my what I saw was Elijah have a look. Um so in my eyes I thought it was a foul but but watching it over again um hasn't really helped. I, I don't yeah. have a conclusive answer and I think that's similar to VR. I don't think it was enough of a foul to to rule it as a clear and obvious error. And it goes down to to what the mm. what the referee saw, um, which was that, that it wasn't you know sufficient contact. But, but, but just, just sorry, just on, on that in terms of the how you reacted for the goal and and company raised it. I think it's, it's I think it's a fair thing to raise in terms of there was three Luton players that celebrated the goal and the majority were expecting it to be a foul. But that's because we've conditioned into thinking it is a foul because nine times out of ten it is a foul and we expect it to be a foul because that's the way the referees are. That doesn't mean to say it definitely is a foul because there's no no one has celebrated. It's because we've been conditioned to thinking that it, it is one. You have to yeah. really step back and think: is it a foul? And I think for those people that l- love the game, I, I personally don't think it should be a foul. Like it's one of those things where, like, if it's like an, a, a a tackle, the ball's been passed and someone comes like a, a second late. If the ball has gone to another player it's off the ball it's not impacted the game it's not impacted the, the flow of the game um and I, I just think yeah I, I just think sometimes you have to step back into into what we're used to and really sort of deep dive into whether you think that has had an impact on the game and the flow of the game and whether if if Eli wasn't there would Trafford have got the ball who knows? We, we 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 won't know, but there's a chance that he would have been a, a hand short of it. Um, so yeah, I, I just think as well, as much as the the point that you, you yourself and company raised in terms of the reaction, the fan reaction was delayed. The play, the players on pitch was delayed. You are you watching it? You, you were delayed. But that's because that we're, that's just what we're used to as fans. So I think that's a bit of a non-point given that for me. Yeah. And I think the the fact that it's so divisive, the fact that there are, you know, lots of Burnley fans that believe the goal was was fair. There was lots of Burnley fans that didn't think it was fair. 
there's lots of Luton fans that think it was fair and there's lots of Luton fans that didn't think it was fair. Um, in my eyes, shows that it's not a clear and obvious error. Um, mm. The fact that there, there's such a discourse is such is such a topic of conversation. Um, in my eyes, rules it as not a, a massive error from from VAR. Um, yeah, it's one that I'm sure will be continued to, to be spoken about. Um, and it is an interesting conversation because there there are so many elements to it. We've both said we feel that goalkeepers are, are protected more than more than they should be. Um, well, yeah, maybe this is an incident, incident sorry, that, that shows that we're moving in the, the right way in terms of that. We're going to go into a short break, but when we're back, we talk all things January transfer window and the Bolton game coming up. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are back for part two of today's episode. And as always in the January transfer window, we will touch on the latest rumours sort of to do with Luton Town. Um, the first one is that Gabe show, Luton Town centre-back is admired by both Aston Villa and Crystal Palace that, that came from transfer correspondent Dean Jones. Osho, a player um, that has, you, you probably look at the, the sort of timescale that, that Rob Edwards has been at the club. That's when you've seen sort of the highest um, upwards term with him. He has been phenomenal under Edwards. I think, you know, look at all the players that, that, Edwards had at his disposal um, from the very start of his tenure um, just over a year ago. Um, you know, we've spoken about Doughty and how how brilliant he's been. But when you consider where Osho was um, to, to where he is now, in my eyes, that is the, the biggest transformation. And, and it's great to see. We all knew that he had um, the abilities required to thrive at a Premier League level. Um, you know, I think... The, the interest, particularly coming from Aston Villa, um, is a great sort of indicator to how good he's been, how effective he's been for us. Um, and it's no surprise, really, that, that clubs are going to be looking at him. Uh, there's, I guess, a little bit of confusion about his his contract situation. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie, looking at um, the fact that he signed... Uh, what the club, club exercised a year option on his deal last summer means that he is expected that his current deal will expire in the summer. Um, you'd be crazy not to look at it if you were another Premier League club. Um, but but a club like Aston Villa, Jamie, did you expect a Champions League chasing club to to be interested in in Gabe? 
Maybe not Champions League, um, but when you've got someone still of a good age, mid twenties, uh, is improved the way he has. I mean, we all talk about the redemption arc since that that Watford away game, um, but he's improved loads in terms of his athletic abilities. Premier League, he's, he's a Premier League centre half. Um, so, albeit, yeah, maybe not a Champions League level club like Villa, but when you've got a player like that who meets a homegrown quota, which people forget about, you've got to have, I think, what was it, eight or 12 or whatever homegrown English players or, or, or players that have played for three years between their 18th and 21st birthday. Um, that That's a big thing for clubs. So, they, they need to have, fill out a squad based on, on homegrown players. Um so yeah, I think it's deserved, and I certainly think you can take the step up. You look at uh, Ezri Konsa again, another former EFL graduate, and he and he's gone on to do what, what what he's doing right now for Villa. And why can't Osho do the same? Um, so yeah, uh, well well deserved in terms of his um, sort of his his performances on the pitch, and he he certainly deserves the recognition from the outside world, and it shows how good we're doing as well. Uh, you, as much as we don't want to lose anyone like Gabe Osho, it shows that people are taking note in terms of how we are progressing as a club and, and how our players are improving. Um, from a contract perspective, yeah, he's either got six or 18 months left based on that plus one that we, we did last 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 summer. And Touchwood, hopefully the board are sorting that out um, and trying to give him a longer deal. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see. Don't don't want to make any assumptions like some on Twitter or don't want to don't sort of dig too dig too deep about stuff that we we are not informed about um so yeah let's just touch wood we see a, a nice little contract extension in the next few weeks because uh, if if we let it go towards february and march and it starts to get a bit a bit nervy if he's only got six months and, and or less to go and then the previous pod we touched on tina mengi's situation where again a couple of premier league clubs have been rumored to be interested in him um he's another one that 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 yeah interest he's warranted but but at the same time you sort of um want these clubs to to direct their search elsewhere we'll go on to the situation of john mcatee who um by, by all accounts has been smashing it for barnsley or in recent weeks um there was a, an exclusive report from graham bailey i think it was in 90minute.com um that Sunderland, Plymouth, Ipswich and Cardiff were all keeping tabs on his situation. Um, of course, at Barnsley at the moment, thriving, scoring goals, uh, creating them. And I think uh, we're recording on Sunday and, and Saturday he played, I don't know who it was against, but... but Bristol Rovers. Bristol Rovers, yeah. Yeah, in a in a Barnsley fan account, um, Twitter thing at the end of the game. They'd, they'd done a poll for man of the match. McAtee um, won it quite convincingly, so it's safe to say he is definitely impressing. Um, there's a report. There was a report after that from from uh, I think it was the Barnsley Chronicle. Said it's likely that he'll stay at Oakwell, um, and you always get that balance a little bit like Joe Taylor's situation, where you think is is it worth moving up um, a division and, and risk that game time element or is it, is it worth staying where you are and continuing to, to do what you do um, it's a debate that, that I'm sure um, you know well we, we know Luton Town would have had with, with certain players over the years um, uh, just coming to you Jamie with, with that what would you be doing um, 
what would you be doing if you're in charge of loans at Luton Town? Um, John McAtee, as we say, having a really impressive loan stint at, at our northern branch. Would you take him away for um, for a sniff of championship football? I mean, first of all, McAtee, fair play to him. He's doing really well. Um, I think he was at one loan at League Two last year, back with Grimsby and didn't do too well. So to step up to League One and and do as, as well as he's doing, um, every credit to him in terms of the work he's putting in. And as you say, won, won the Manila match at Akanta, um for the game yesterday, but didn't even score. So when, when a centre forward has been in the Man- Manila match, despite not scoring, that tells you everything that, that, you, need, that you need to know about his all-round centre forward play. Um, so really exciting to see if, if he can make the step up again, either this month or, or in the summer. In terms of January, I think with Joe Taylor, it makes sense because he um, was sort of at Colchester. He was bottom of, or, or the, the sort of bottom six of, of League Two, um, scoring goals for fun, but he could definitely step up from there to a League One side in Lincoln where you know he's going to get, get minutes who are in a bit of a playoff push. They're still outside shot, but... but still have a chance of being in being in the playoffs for League One, um, so that's a bit of a bit of a no brainer. Um, but then we all know then that that jump to the championship, and I think yeah, you could take him away from a League One playoff Barnsley. You could easily find him a club in that sort of bottom six to eight mould for a, sort of a championship team um, for those that may may need a centre forward. But then above that, can he get into a to a, a Hull or a Sunderland. I think Sunderland maybe because of injuries. Um, certainly not an Ipswich, um, a Cardiff maybe, but you need to find the club where it's enough of a step up where I don't think bottom six championship is and you don't want him to, again, then probably be scraping from the bottom of the barrel because you're playing for a, a bad side in the championship and you, you were struggling to, you were struggling to, to score goals. Um, so it's just that big jump from League One and I would, personally keep him where he is where he's scoring goals he's playing really well even outside of scoring goals for a team that probably will be in the league one playoffs this year um and yeah if, if he can win promotion with Barnsley to the championship that's a really good good season for him um and no matter what happens with us this year he'll be in the championship he'll be in the championship next year be it with us or be it out on loan from us um so and another forward on our books is really exciting. We've got McAtee and, and Joe Taylor now who, who, yeah, I, I think they're certainly going to be championships for centre-forwards next season. Yeah, it's interesting you say about potentially being the championship. I think if we're still in the Premier League, um, it might be a good opportunity to send out a player on loan to Europe, to one of Europe's top divisions. Um, I think that's when you make it as a as a football club when you start yeah. loading to you know Eredivisie or, or Belgian Pro League. Um, once you have players out there on loan, I think that's when that's when you could call yourself big time. Can you imagine McAtee going on loan to like an Antwerp or something? That'd be, that'd be so, so cool. <laughs> or or with with Kieran being out in Holland, if Go Ahead Eagles need a centre forward, they're like they're seventh, I think, in in the top flight of, of Dutch football. So they're a good a good Dutch football team. Um, if Go Ahead Eagles, if if you want. McAtee or Joe Taylor next summer, just give Luton a call. We, we, we might just do you a favour. 
Let's go on to the third and final transfer rumour, and that includes two players here. Um, Mike McGrath of The Telegraph um, outlined that, that Reading pair Tom Holmes and Nelson Abbey are wanted at Luton Town. I think he, he alluded to that, that even the deals had been agreed. Um, and I think a report said that, that the deal had been agreed behind the, the back of both the manager and the head of football operations, which I think, you know, it's, it's bizarre. Um, and I think it's probably a good time to touch on, on Reading as a football club. Um, a dire, dire situation. Luton Town fans know exactly um, how how awful these, these sort of ownership collapses are um, and, and, you know, had the protest, didn't they, at, at the weekend that their game against Port Vale was eventually abandoned. Um, but you, you really do have to sympathise with the Reading fans who are going through absolute torture with, with bad ownership at the moment. Um, and sort of on the back of that, uh, Tom Holmes and Nelson Abbey, the, the defensive pair, there's reports suggesting that, that Reading are open to selling them. Um, being in a difficult situation that they are, um, but but Jamie coming to you first on on the Reading situation, um, horrible horrible to see. Regardless of of where your allegiances are, you you hate to see stuff like that. And second of all, touching on on the, the players that have been rumoured to to potentially join Luton, um, do any of them particularly excite you? Well, yeah, on Reading. Um... Yeah, tough times, and you can laugh and joke about not liking to go to Reading away or not 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 liking them as a club, but you don't want to see that happen to, to any club. Um, and then you've got it. It's one thing to see a club not not run too well in terms of not spending or spending too much or bad recruitment, like a Man United that's doing right now. Man United fans are obviously upset because their club's not being run well, but it's a completely different thing to have an owner like they've got completely stripping the assets out of the club, selling players for, for cup prices. Um, just, yeah, I think that that's polar opposite to what's happening at, at clubs like like United. And if only national media was was, was taking greater attention to it. Um, we saw it as fans. It was like shouting into, into an empty room, um, unfortunately. Um, and if, if that's one thing I would change about football, it's that. And, greater attention across the pyramid about what's actually happening to these these staples of, of communities, which are football clubs. Um, so, uh, thoughts out to Reading fans. I hope you guys get through it. Um, and no, no matter what, if you, st- if, if you sit together as fans, you'll pull through. Be it, be it you have a club, you're the, the exact club, either in a lower league than it is now, or whether it's a Phoenix club, but like, like you've seen at Berry, you, you'll get through it and then and, and, and you'll work, you work your way back, just like we've done. Um, so that's on Reading. Uh, in terms of home, uh, in, in terms of Tom Holmes and Nelson Abbey, um, know a bit about Holmes. I think he, he was almost like Gabe Osho's replacement. I think when when we signed Osho, I think Holmes was stepped up from the the academy and, and stepped into those shoes. Um, so he's he's played Champion League One football for a while. He's a great age, twenty three. Um, so yeah, if if we, if you can get a cut price for him, I think he's certainly a good asset to have and. Would someone would would be someone you take and Nelson Abbey would be lying if I said I knew too much about him. But he's captain the League One side at twenty years old. He's played for the England on the twenties. Um, 
So you can't go too wrong with that. Um, so again, another great asset to have in the club. And I, I think there's lots of talk about trying to throw our weight about in terms of being a Premier League club. And that's not signing £10 million players. That is being able to poach assets like these from clubs lower in the pyramid. These sort of assets 18 months ago would have been nowhere near our budget, nowhere near our ability to get. Um, whereas now they are. A because of where we are in the pyramid, and B because of the mon- because of the money we have, um, so we need to make the most of it whilst, whilst it's there. And if these are two of of the players we bring in, um, they'll either be starters for us next year in the championship, maybe, or they'll be squad players that we loan out to the championship next year as a prem team. Um, so I I think it's another great bit of recruitment. Um, our last centre half signed from Reading wasn't too bad, was he? So. If we can get one or two to be as good as Gay Washo, then you then you've done pretty well. I'll tell you what, Nelson Abbey is a player I really really like. Um, Left footed, which uh, ticks a lot of boxes that that Luton fans have not, not been crying out for because recruitment has been absolutely fantastic. But I think left footed centre back has has been something on uh, the desirables list for for a while at Luton Town. Um, as you mentioned there, fantastic age, 20 years old, captain in Reading, a real leader, um, dominant in, in both his, his aerial and ground duels. He can play out from the back, he's composed and, you know, he, he plays with so much maturity. Um, and yeah, I think that, uh, Reading fans absolutely love him. They're, they absolutely love him. Um, and uh, that's always an indication to, to how good a player is, is, is when, um, you know, uh, Reading fans that have seen him week in, week out, uh, probably have the best opinion, um, about how good he is. Um, of course he's not done yet. He hasn't signed, hasn't been confirmed by the club. Um, and then there are a few sort of complications that could get in the way, as, as we mentioned that the club situation at the moment does play a part in that. Um, but yeah, certainly a very, very good player. And if he does sign the dotted line, then I will definitely get an article out um, analysing him in a bit more detail. Um, that that sums up, well, that rounds off, sorry, everything into the, to do with the transfer rumours. But there is something that we've seen, Jamie, and that is an article from The Athletic Um that, that I think all accounts had to be submitted by the 31st of December. Um, and the latest headline, Everton and Nottingham Forest expecting to be found in breach of Premier League spending rules. Um, it's something that's been lingering both, you know, Everton have been deducted points already. Um, Nottingham Forest, you know, after after their recruitment, how expensive their recruitment's been. They've, they've always sort of been in and around that that kind of bracket as well. Um, difficult to know what it will mean in terms of potential point deductions, but but the article does say um, under the guidelines, both clubs are now at risk of a fine or a point deduction with formal notification of any charges set to come on Monday. Um, and we spoke about it sort of off air when, when we first saw it, Jamie, and we spoke about it in relation to our, our you know push for survival. Um, of course, it's something that, that could be massive in terms of if there's further point deductions for Everton and one for Nottingham Forest, it, it massively bolsters our chances of staying up. Um, but, but at the same time, um, 
yeah, you, you don't like seeing it. You don't like seeing point deductions, um, especially when, when we were harshly treated minus 16 in three seasons. But yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Everton and, and Nottingham Forest uh, breaching profitability and what's the other word? Profitability and sustainability regulations. Yeah, uh, I mean, you, you, you're right. We, we don't like seeing points deductions, um, but rules are in place. And I'm surprised that there's only two, Everton and Forest. I thought there'd be more than that. Um, if if the Premier League set rules to not lose more than £135 million in a, in a rolling three-year period, you have to abide by that. And if as clubs, even if you're close to the wire and you think you've got reason to be able to add back various variables within the accounts and get, get to beneath that, that amount, then... You're still running your, your, your two, you're still running your, your club too recklessly. Um, so as much as we don't want to, we, as much as we don't want to see clubs get point deductions, we also want to see clubs abide by the rules. And if you're not abiding by the rules, then you you get your comeuppance. Um, so yeah, it will probably be a fine, which is unfortunate because um, clubs probably deserve point deductions when you're breaching a rule that is so loose when it comes to 135 million pound of losses in a three year period. I mean, come on. Like, and then ironically, they lose that much money in a three-year period, and you're going to find them just to make them spend even more money. Like, come on, just yeah, it's 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 a bit mind-boggling. Um, hopefully, they get a point deduction, even if it's another five points each. So that'll put Everton down to what twelve, Forest on I think fourteen. We're on sixteen. That'll push us out of the of the relegation zone by two places. Um, and yeah, I think. I, I think the, the more I think about it, the more I think it's written in the stars, you know. I think based on what happened to us, it is written in the stars for us to stay up because of a point deduction. And I, yeah, I'd love it. would absolutely love it. Um, and it'd be just exactly what a club like Luton Town deserve. And you, you speak to people like Visa, who's the guy that runs Mazala on, sort of on private message and saying that the Premier League needs clubs like us to stay up. We, the, the Football needs clubs like us to stay up because... We need to prove to other clubs that you can run football clubs and do well without losing £135 million over a three-year period. So for those that say Luton this, Luton that, you just need to just step back and just slap yourself on the head and think, what what, what are you doing losing that sort of money? It's ridiculous. Um, so not only do I want us to stay up for Luton, I want us to, I want us to stay up for football because hopefully us doing well and seeing teams like Plymouth sort of get, get, sort of do well beyond their mean, means and getting from the League One to the Championship, hopefully progress beyond that. Um, football football needs clubs like us. Um, so hopefully we, we, we can be a, a starting point for, for owners to butt their ideas up and, and start sort of start doing football properly, which, 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 is, which is the way we do it. If there was any indication that, that there's too much money in football then losing 135 million pounds in three seasons um is a rule is a rule that you could lose 134 million in three seasons and, and be okay um yeah it's absolutely ridiculous and reckless ownership we've just spoken about it and in terms of reading it's something that that well, we, won't, we won't turn this debate into to football governance but it is just absolutely ridiculous that, that clubs are allowed to operate in, in that kind of way. Um, and, and hopefully that 
this issue can can be resolved before we you know lose more football clubs um hopefully it's not an issue hopefully the these reading cases the berry cases uh potentially you know we're going on to the bolton preview in a second luton and bolton both in you know real dire dire situations because of poor ownership um yeah something that that needs eradicating from source let's go on to that bolton preview jamie and and there's not too much to it because we we got a feel of, of what bolton were like not so long ago in terms of how the game will play out in terms of um how we expect bolton to approach it. i don't expect too much difference so let's speak about luton first and, and how we approach this game um course we, we played on friday four game uh, four days of recovery what kind of team you expecting um you know rob completely threw us off by naming pretty much the strongest 11 he could um against bolton in the first uh, in, in the third round sorry of the fa cup now going into this replay you expecting something of the same yeah i, I mean first of all just want to say a word about ian perslow bolton found you sadly passed away at uh, well, after the game at the weekend, Bolton Cheltenham uh, was abandoned because he suffered cardiac arrest and sadly passed away after. So, thoughts completely with his, obviously his family and friends and and Bolton fans in general, and no doubt there'll be a, a minute's applause or silence uh, on a on a minute or or whatever. I'm not sure that on the details, but if you're a Luton fan travelling up, then please please um do do pay your respects um first of all. So. Just on that, um, just 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 wanted to say that uh, on on Luton, yeah, I think we I think we we, we need to go strong. We, we need to win this game because um, the cut one would be nice. Um, Palace Everton in the next round, um, so I think we go strong. We've got what's well, going to be on the sixteenth, so you've got fourteen days between then and and the Brighton game. So you've got two weeks to rest your players out afterwards. So I think you go as, as strong as you can if you play the starting eleven as you did against um, Burnley. If we can put in that same performance as we did in the first half hour, then we'll be too much with Bolton. Um, so let's not mess around. Let's just let's go out there. Let's win the game, um, and then come back to the Kenworth Road area for 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 two weeks off. And I think the the, the, the Luton players are going away for for a little bit. I'm not sure whether, whether it's Dubai or, or Abu or Abu Dhabi. Um, so hopefully they can go to that on the back of a. Of a, of a third of on the back of a third round win. Yeah, um, as as you started there, Jamie Ian Perslow, the the Bolton fan that sadly lost his life um, after collapsing at Bolton versus Cheltenham the other day. Uh, just want to echo what you said. Very very tragic story. Um, and, and Luton fans, please keep sort of if you go into the game, please keep your eyes out for for any kind of tributes for that Bolton will be planning. Um, yeah, it is tra- a complete tragedy. And, and you know, when you go to a football game, you, you don't expect anything like that. Um, of course, we've Luton fans had our, our sort of own situation where, where um, the football community comes together in, in times of real real hardship. And, and hopefully that's a, a situation again that, that um, can sort of follow suit on Tuesday. Um, yeah, the game itself, Jamie, um, as you mentioned, two weeks and until we play after this game so you expect it to be fairly strong um you, you sort of look at the next round as well um i know it's premier league potential premier league opposition but still beatable um you know rob edwards will be wanted to get as far as possible in this cup 
Um, and I think you or Kieran might have said it in the previous in, in the previous pod that that the prize money, um, you know, to to a lot of Premier League clubs go, getting into the the fifth round, you know, that it won't sort of batter an eyelid. But but for Luton Town, it will be fantastic considering how we are run, um, how we continue to be to be run. Um, but yeah, I'm expecting Bolton to to be the best form of themselves again. Very difficult to break down. I mentioned it when we previewed them before. I think they're a championship team playing playing in League One, and the way things are uh, panning out for them at the moment, that that's sort of being proven true. Um, I, I, I sort of put in my tweet afterwards that that they were as organised as you're going to come across this season, and I'm sort of expecting the same again. Um, but I think the fact that we've got to play them now, we've got to see exactly how they operate against Premier League opposition, um, and how how we respond um, to disappointment. I'm I'm backing us to to go through. Jamie, what is your score prediction for this game? Yeah, I think I'm going to go for two 0 Luton. If we can play like we'd played against Burnley, and certainly in that first half, then we probably can get get to 2 new in the first half and then see out the second half without a lot of um, stress. I think defensively they're really good going forward. They do have some good players, but I think we've got the defenders to be able to deal with anything that they throw at us. So I think the first goal was huge and we'll get that. Um, and then we'll get a second one in sort of in quick succession and then that'll be tied on. I'm going to go 2-1. Um yeah, I think it's going to play out very similar where they will cause us harm. We'll cause them a little bit of harm. We'll expect to see a little bit more of the ball. Um, yeah, depending on on how we go in terms of personnel, I think, you know, Barkley and Lukonga playing to, uh, it's the Barkley and Lukonga show at the moment. Um, they've, they've been absolutely fantastic. And I don't think, uh, sort of alluded to before, there's not many too many uh, midfield partnerships that, that are better than them two in current form. Um, so I think those two could be key. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's going to be another game where we are really tested to the maximum. Um, Bolton will be full of confidence after what they saw at Kenworth Road. Um, I expect it to be atmospheric. I expect it to be a difficult place to travel to. Um, but I think we'll get the job done this time. Um, I think we need to show a bit of grit and just, uh, sort of resilience. But yeah, we've shown that in abundance over the last few years. Hopefully setting a tie up with maybe Crystal Palace away. I think I'll take that one over over Everton. Yeah. But to be yeah, fair, both, both are, are very good ties, I think. Well, Jamie, that is it for today. A big thank you for coming on. A big thank you to everybody else watching and listening at home. Um, on socials, we are Oak Road Hatter. Apart from Instagram, we are Oak Road Hatter Pod. Please make sure to check out the website as well. We are www.oakroadhatter.com. We've got lots of stories going up at the moment whenever there is transfer news. Um, when players start to sign as well, we will start to do a bit more analysis into those players. Um, we mentioned that that sort of Nelson Abbey potential arrival. We'll definitely do something on that if that proves to come to fruition. But until after this Bolton game, it is goodbye from us. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.